Hallelujah. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. You are listening to Grab the Glory with Holly Smith. My name is Holly Smith. This is a production of Lion and Lamb Ministries. Today, I have a very special guest. It is this guy. Hi, I'm uh, Derek Smith. I'm her husband. He's my husband. And we are so blessed to get to come to you together. The Holy Ghost put this on our hearts, and it just seems like the right next step to do. So um, for those of you, I haven't really said anything about him. Derek and I got married uh, eight years ago, eight years ago, seven, seven and a half years ago. We've been together for eight years and we came to the word together. We were both saved before we got to the word, Yes, but we were the definition of lukewarm Christians. Like we told our pastor that his 1030 AM morning session was just too early for us when we were just married. <laughs> yeah. There was a few times we showed up 10 minutes later. Just not at all. Not at all was normally how we did it. Um, but we love the Lord. We just didn't know very much. And we started attending regularly and the Lord captured our hearts and, um, praise God. We got to know him as a person. You know, we got to know God, the father as our father, Jesus, the savior, but Jesus as the person, the person of the Holy ghost, right? We've gotten to know God personally instead of having a religion with him and it's changed our world, right? Yes, it definitely has. We got snowed in, in Texas of all places. (laughs) And sat, yeah, sat there for a week and just studied the word and mm-hmm. scriptures were dropped into my heart and we would just read them and we fell in love. Watch Andrew Olmack and yeah. that's kind of my introductory to <laughs> the big boys, the big leagues. The big leagues. Um, we are so passionate with sharing the word of God with people because we think that if you actually knew what this Bible said instead of what pastors told you it said or what you think it says you would not live the way you're living today and you would have so much more freedom, money, time, health, everything. So we just want to share that with the world. And that's what the Lord's placed on our hearts. So today we're coming to you together um, as anointed or as trustworthy as I may be. He's more anointed and more trustworthy. He's my spiritual covering. So um, anything I know he taught me or he already knew. Um, And we're just really, I'm excited he's here because he's got some good stuff. So we do this every morning that we're home together, which he travels. He's on the road a lot. So we're not at home every morning together. But the mornings that we do get to do that, what we do is we tell our kids, hey, it's Bible time. You got to take a back seat. We get some coffee and we sit down with the word and the Holy Ghost just gives him scriptures. I read them and then we talk about them and we talk about how they apply to us, how they apply to the world and how they apply to the body of Christ. And so today we're going to do that with you. I'm so excited about that. Um, And so that's what the Lord's leading us to do tonight. So that's what we're going to do. So what are we doing first? Where are we headed? Mm Do you know? John 6. John 6. Here we go. John 6, verse 13. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gives us like corresponding things. It's really fun. It's like God is just sitting in our living room. And it says, we're two or more gathered in my name. There I am with them. So we know that the Lord is here and we love that. So we're going to John 6, verse 13 today. And we'll just read till the Holy Spirit stops me. So we are finally both at John chapter six, verse 13. And this is what we're going to read. 
So accordingly, they gathered them up and they filled 12 small hand baskets with fragments left over by those who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw the sign miracle that Jesus had performed, they began saying, surely and beyond a doubt, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Then Jesus, knowing that they meant to come and seize him, that they might make him king, withdrew again to the hillside by himself alone. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and they took a boat and were going across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and still Jesus had not yet come back to them. Meanwhile, the sea was getting rough and rising high because of a great and violent wind that was blowing. However, when they had rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and approaching the boat, and they were afraid or terrified. But Jesus said to them, it is I, be not afraid. I am, stop being frightened. Then they were quiet, willing and glad for him to come into the boat. And now the boat went at once to the land they had steered towards, and immediately they reached the shore toward which they had been slowly making their way. Jesus knew from the first who did not believe and had no faith. And, oh, I skipped a page. Slowly making their way. The next day, the crowd that still remained standing on the other side of the sea realized that there had been only one small boat there and that Jesus had not gone into it with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away by themselves. But now some other boats from Tiberias had come in near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So the people, finding that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there themselves, got into the small boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, you have been searching for me, not because you saw the miracles and signs, but because you were fed with the loaves and were filled and satisfied. Stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using, but strive and work and produce rather for the lasting food, which endures continually unto life eternal. The son of man will give furnish you that for God, the father has authorized and certified him and put his seal of endorsement upon him. They, then they said to him, what are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we to do to carry out what God requires? Jesus replied, this is the work service that God asks of you, that you believe in the one whom he has sent, that you cleave to, trust, rely on, and have faith in his messenger. Therefore, they said to him, what sign, miracle, wonder work will you perform then so that we may see it and believe and rely on and adhere to you? What supernatural work have you to show what you can do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as the scripture says. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. What Moses gave you was not the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true heavenly bread. For the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always, all the time. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. He who believes in, cleaves to, trusts in, and relies on me will never thirst anymore at any time. But as I told you, although you have seen me, you still do not believe and trust and have faith. All whom my father gives and trust to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will most certainly not cast out. I will never, no, never reject one of them who comes to me. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will and purpose, but to do the will and purpose of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose any of all that he has given me, but that I should give new life and raise them up all raise them all up at the last day. 
For this is my father's will and his purpose that everyone who sees the son and believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up from the dead at the last day. All right. So we went from verse 13 to verse 40. Wow. What did you get out of that? It's a big chapter. I mean, it really kind of did encompass everything we started this whole night out with, which yeah. is, you know, you come to me and find me and seek me and knocking it will be open. I think it's interesting that it starts out with like the text that we were given. It starts out with uh, the ending of a miracle. They were cleaning up after that last miracle. And then the people eventually found Jesus, right? I thought this was a completely different walking on the water story. Um, but they found Jesus, right? And they came to him and he was like, hey, you have to believe in me. They're like, great. What's our sign? These are the same people that just had the miracle happen, right? Yeah. And everyone today, especially, it's just like. They're looking for a sign. They're looking for a sign. They're looking for something to prove, you know. They're looking for God. When people are searching out idols, when they're when they're searching out identity, right? I just want to know my purpose. I just want to know my identity. This isn't just a body of Christ um, request. This is everyone's request. They want to know why they're here. They want to know what their purpose is. And guys, you cannot get your purpose until you get to Jesus. Until you get a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, your purpose is not going to be revealed to you because how could it? How could your purpose possibly be revealed to you when you don't know the guy that your purpose is connected with? You know, why do you think the Holy Spirit brought us to this chapter? I mean, it, it, like I said, it starts where we started in our walk. I mean, we were, when we started walking with Jesus, he had already performed a miracle in our lives and we knew it was God. A hundred percent, right? Right. With the house. Yeah. So how did we start? Let's just give you our miracle. So we were living in a semi-truck together on purpose. Wasn't on an purpose. Accident. We weren't homeless. We just, he started driving a truck. And, you know, a lot of people think he's a dummy sometimes because they meet him in that frame of reference. But he actually, I mean, you're one semester away yeah, from finishing. Um, yeah, when. we start, we got, um, when we met, I was going to ASU. He had just gotten into law school. Um, and I, I talked to him about going to law school because it was in New York City, right? Yes. It was in New York City and we had just started dating. And so we were going to have to move there. And I was like, hey, I don't want to move to New York City. Also, I don't think you really want to be a lawyer. And we talked about the details of being a lawyer. And he was like, mm, maybe not. Yeah, in theory. I mean, it sounds fun. and yeah. But being in front of a whole courtroom every single day and trying to debate with someone. Didn't want to do that. Yeah. So... I think it was really just, you know, if you'll notice, God has you on these paths for a while to protect you. It may not be where you end up, but it's just to protect you in that time of your life before he can orchestrate you to your true purpose. And it always funnels you into what you need yeah. to go into. Like if I didn't choose pre-law and choose the road I was going to, would I have ended up in Florida at Disney at that time and right. met you? You know, And would you have the knowledge you have now? Because yeah. that's what I was going to say is we ended up deciding to not finish college because we just didn't have a real reason to. And we wanted to do our own thing. We didn't have a reason to. We were, you know, we were young, young and married. He wanted to make money. He didn't want me to be the one working. There was yeah. a lot of reasons. 
But we ended up deciding, okay, we're going to scratch college for a little bit. It's not like you're that far away. You can always pick it up later if it's something we need. But again, we weren't being led by the Lord, really. We didn't know that part. We just were doing what we could to survive. And so you really had it that you were going to do trucking. Yeah, I grew up, um, my dad and I said that are both diesel mechanics. I grew up around trucks. My parents drove before I came. And I saw a few people on YouTube that were making more money than I've you know seen at that time. And so I left my corporate job immediately and pretty much and went on the road with him and we traveled for. That wasn't the start of it. Like I went through training and we were trying to make the whole, I'll just be out for X amount of time and you'll be Hmm. still working. Mm -hmm. And then I got out of training and she was like, no, let me just come. I'm lonely. Let's just, yeah. you know. I don't want to be away from you. There's no reason to. Our lease is almost up on our apartment in two months. So we'll buy our way out and I'll come on the road with you. Yeah. So we did. We went on the road together. I think we ended up finishing that lease. We just, yeah, we just didn't go home. Yeah. Um, but then when the lease ran out, I went home, packed up our apartment, moved it to a storage unit, and we were off. And we went off for about two years. And it was one of the greatest decisions. It was the best. We had the best time. I I got my CDL because I thought, oh, we're going to make all this extra money. It it went horribly. Horribly, yeah. Not an 18-wheel driver. But I can. I have parallel parked a semi-truck and trailer. Pregnant. Um, Well, I didn't parallel park it. I wasn't pregnant then. But I got pregnant very quickly. We were on the road. And my belly got too big for the steering wheel. I was like, babe, get me a house. We're going home. But hey, here's the thing. We had been making some really crappy business decisions and we did not have the money to get a house, right? Yeah, we kept, uh, we jumped a lot of companies. Yeah. We were trying to find out what fits because we had the mindset that we were going to this and it was going to be a long-term thing to get us to what we wanted to be. You know, we just got our CDL. So we... She went through trucking school. We weren't, you know, Mm -hmm. doing the best. We, we should not, we made mistakes. That's the point. We're not walking with the Lord. So we made mistakes. And that's what happens when you're not walking in step with the Holy Spirit. You're going to make mistakes in your life. And so we had made a lot of mistakes and we were sitting there and I was pregnant and we didn't have any money for a house. We didn't have a car. We didn't have our stuff because I had, I had poverty curse at the time. So I was convinced that we couldn't fork out an extra $60 a month for our storage unit. So we threw away all of our stuff, my wedding dress, old mementos, everything we started our life with was in the garbage. Um, we had nothing and I was Five and a half months pregnant. Yep. So I went home to my parents' house. We had been using their house as a home base. They had a guest room. So we stayed in their guest room when we were in town. And um, it had all of our life's belongings in it other than our truck. And so I had gone home. And lo and behold, there was a rental in the neighborhood with my mom who the guy was great. He did not care about credit checks or a big down payment or anything. And my parents helped us get into the house. So um, we ended up in this beautiful two-story home, brick home in a wonderful neighborhood in, in Texas. 
and it was something we could afford all of a sudden. Yeah. It was, it, we didn't have a lick of furniture. We didn't have anything. God provided more furniture than we needed. We had to start turning people away with furniture. The house didn't have a fridge. We got a fridge. The house didn't have a washer and dryer. We got given a washer and dryer or we got given the washer and then we got a dryer. Like there were just so many things that just, I just sat there pregnant, not knowing anything, but I had prayed. I had prayed and I I hadn't worried about it because I was too stupid to worry about it. Okay. But it activated a spiritual principle, right? Give it to God and yeah. let it go. And that's what happened. Um, and so it ended up that house was such a blessing to our family. It jump started our life really after, you know, I, I consider our life to be our life started together. But I mean, when you have kids, it's your life starts. Do you know what I mean? It's different. So, um, God is just, he was in it. And so we were sitting there at the other side of this miracle with everything handled, everything done. We had a car, we had everything. And, um, it was time to go to church. It was time to go to church. Yeah. And you already knew of a church. We already, that same church we talked about where we told the pastor when we were first married, like, Hey, we're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not rolling out of bed that early every Sunday morning <laughs> at 1030. <laughs> um, we went back to that church. I, <clears throat> the Lord had divinely connected me and that pastor already. I knew him before I knew Derek. And so, uh, we felt really comfortable with them and we went to their church and mind you, we didn't know anything. The first Sunday he told us that he had not had a cold in eight years. I was, I, we left that church building and on the way home, he's like, what'd you think? And I was like, that guy's cuckoo for cocoa puffs, <laughs> but it's a good church. So we'll keep going. And that was I was cuckoo. I didn't know anything about the word of God. I didn't know anything about what had been promised in the word of God. And they did. And they taught us. And we experienced spiritual warfare immediately uh, when we started getting in the word. And when we not just getting in the word, but when we started going to that church where the word could get in us, we experienced spiritual warfare. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know. We had no idea what we're looking at. Why things were starting to look worse as we were starting to get closer to God. But but I think at that point I was, I had recommitted myself to the Lord. I'd rededicated myself to the work of God and just to God and being like, I want to do everything your way and nothing my way, even if I don't know what that means. And I just started drawing closer. And then to that point, I mean, I think you got, you were pretty fed up at a certain point. I had started going to church. All yeah. The time. She, <laughs> she did the 180. Yeah. She, you know, started going, I'm going to do this and that, and we're not doing this anymore. And it was just like, oh, you went to church and you're coming home with a bunch of, we're not going to do this and not going to have a life and not going to have any type of, mm-hmm. you know, fun. And I was like, I don't know about this. This might not work for me. Yeah. We've had a few discussions about that back then. And I was, I, wasn't as on the same page as I was. Yeah. Mm-mm. And so he was pretty much at that point where he wanted a sign. And, um, well, <laughs> want to talk about that? we don't have to, but the point is the devil gave him one. Yeah. The devil gave me one. And he interacted with the supernatural, uh, with the kingdom of darkness in a supernatural way. Um, and so when that happened, he woke up and he was like, I'm saved. And that uh, was the second time that's really happened because I mean, kind of how we got married was the first time where you were like, Hey, I'm, we're living in sin. We're doing 
sin things by not being married and yeah doing married people things and mm-hmm. we were living together before yeah. we got married and so we wanted to i started feeling really convicted when i i was like hey i need to get married like i'm not this isn't who i am i have grown up so different and i've never posted my testimony but i knew i knew jesus was good and i knew god was the way i wanted to live my life even if i didn't know much more than that and so I was like, we need to get married or this is it. And so he, um, he was like, you know, you're really young. I was 19. We had not even been together a year. We had already been through a terrible miscarriage. I mean, it was just, we had been through some rough stuff. We had seen a lot of spiritual attack against our marriage, against our relationship. And, um, we had seen a lot of attack come through the, the form of people in our lives that just hated us together. And so we were already facing all that. We didn't know why. And I was like, Hey, I got to get married. I am not going to keep sleeping with you. I'm not going to keep living with you and sin. So you're going to have to figure this out. And he said, Hey, I just don't think you're ready yet. And I loved him and I didn't know anything. And I prayed to God and I said, God, listen, I want to marry this man, but he does not want to marry me. So I'm going to give this to you. We were engaged. Yeah, we were, we were engaged. engaged, but he just didn't want to plan a wedding. He didn't want to get married. And so I said, I want to marry this man. He doesn't want to marry me right now. He wants to make us wait. I don't want to live in sin. So I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to let this go because I can't do anything else about this. I know he's my husband. So I did. I let it go. I don't think it was 24 or 48 hours later. We went to breakfast one morning. He wanted to get to breakfast. He wanted us to have breakfast together and sit down and talk. And I didn't really get it. And I was like, okay, fine. We can go have brunch, you know, whatever. We have brunch in Texas. So it took an hour just to get a table. And we sat down and like the bread basket lady had not left yet before he was like, so I had a dream last night. (laughs) And basically the point of it is he had a dream that really convicted him that he needed to get married right then. And so by the end of the next eight days, we were married, right? It was just a week. Yeah. About that. Yeah. We got married in a courthouse for 80 bucks on my brother's graduation day that morning. He got, he graduated that night. His mom had flown into Arizona. I wore a $30 target dress and we called her day. We were done married. Why? Cause I cared more about doing things God's way than doing things the world's way. I did not prioritize getting the fancy pictures, the fancy dress, the fancy wedding guests, everything. I said, I don't care. I need to get married right now. Because that's what I was trying to do. I was trying yeah. to, you know, we need to wait. You're too young. We had no money no money we spent 80 of the last 90 dollars we yeah. had we used, getting married yeah with that marriage certificate yeah so we had no money we were living with my parents and i was like i got we got married and so i chose god's way over the world's way and you know i've had a lot of friends who have gotten married the same time i did i have a lot of people that i know that got married really young or that got the fancy wedding and i have to be honest with you my life looks very different from theirs my marriage looks very different from theirs why i really believe it's because i decided i didn't care what it costs me anymore i was going to do things god's way you know what i mean i was going to do things the right way and you eventually got on board with that and fell in line. Yeah. I mean, you did give up you the big wedding and all the fun stuff and the pictures that mean a lot to you and the gifts and the big yeah. to do, because I mean, that is kind of you. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> you're like, 
a wedding, a party with hundreds of people that's all about me, that especially then, yeah, everything. So just to be able to lay down that for, you know, God and pick up your cross and walk with him is, is the start of everything. Yeah. It kicked our marriage off on the right foot. And, you know, we worked with ministries before where we told our story. I think I was telling a miscarriage story and I explained that at the time for this miscarriage, I, or the one miscarriage we've had, I should say was outside of marriage. Um, and so we, I shared my story and the ministry changed it. They rewrote it and put it out and said that we were married at the time. And I was like, we were not married at the time. I'm honest about that. That has something to do with everything. That was a door open in my life. And the devil went right through it and killed my baby. That's a thing. And people don't realize that some of the things that have happened in your life are because not because you are are a horrible person. It's not because God's punishing you. It's simply because there is a true spiritual kingdom that's operating here on the earth. And when you operate outside the laws of that kingdom, okay, there's a prowling lion waiting to devour you. And God's saying, please stay within the boundaries of the kingdom so I can bless you and you won't get hurt. When you take your kid to the store and they're walking through the parking lot, do you let them run out without you? No, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it says very clearly, Jesus says it. Yeah. The devil is walking around like a prowling lion seeking who you may devour. Yeah. And the only way he gets to devour you, just like, you know, it's in Job, is when God says he's already in your hand. You already have a door open. You already mm-hmm. have a way into that person's life. So there's little he can do when you've made your choice. That's why we have free will. Yeah. That's why we have free will. And so I think the Lord was trying to set us up here, but the point is that First of all, if you're in this video, there's a good chance you've seen a miracle in your life already because God is not going to leave you without signs of his presence and his being. Okay. And so if you can look back on your life, especially recently, but just in general, and you say, I think a lot of us can say there was a time that I shouldn't have made it out of that accident. I shouldn't have made it out of that situation. I shouldn't be here today, but I am, you know? Yeah. I believe anyone could just you know, look around and say, Hey, this one thing that happened that was so serendipitous that, you know, it can never have happened. That's your blessing. That's your miracle. You just have to look around and see it and thank God for it. And you'll start manifesting other ones because the second you give him praise for one, he'll go, Oh, great. I got this bigger one for you. Mm -hmm. Amen. So hallelujah. Because that was the problem with these people. When they were like, all right, you're the son of God. That's fine. We can deal with that. What's our sign? And they had their hands out. They didn't say, thank you so much for feeding us. They didn't say, wow, you walked on the water. The text makes it clear. They could tell Jesus didn't leave with them on the boat. They saw the fact that Jesus had to get there somehow. You know, they had the ways to see it. You have the ability to look on this earth and this planet and listen to a scientist talk for five seconds and realize that the elements and the numbers and everything, the atmosphere that is in place for us to live here is so specific and it's so detailed down to the last little, you know, like smaller than my fingers are coming together right now that it could only be God. It could only be someone who designed it that way. That's what I think. The intelligent designer theory. (laughs) 
You have to just take a minute before you walk forward, before we tell you anything else, just pause and say, whoa, look at what God has done. Because you're not going to be able to walk forward in this until you realize God has already had his hand on you. He's already protected you. He's already shown you his being and his personhood. He's already knocking at the door and you have to open it first. You have to first say, God, I see right where you have been in this moment with me. And then you can walk out with them because he's in that crap storm with you. The crap storm you're in because you have not been walking with the Holy Spirit. He is in it with you. When Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, where did God go? He left the garden. He said, if my creation's leaving, I'm leaving with them. I'm leaving it. He packed packed a bag and left. He left. He is with you. You're sleeping on the floor. God's sleeping on the floor too if you're born again. Hallelujah. And if you're not, say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose on the third day. Thank you for saving me. Hallelujah. You say that prayer. You mean it in your heart, and then you pick up your cross and follow Jesus, and your life is never the same. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You're a new creation. You're brand new on the inside. Everything's going to feel and look differently from your perspective, but you got to keep your spirit fed so you can realize that. So if that's you today, please reach out to us. Go to lionlandministries.com. Click, I just got saved on the homepage there. I'm going to send you a free Bible and some materials to walk out your Christian life. I'm so excited for you. Okay, so so salvation call aside. <laughs> um, if you're born again, you have the ability to live the way we're about to tell you live. I want to focus on verse 27. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I'm reading. I want to talk about verse 27 for a minute because I think that, okay, you're saved. You get it. You're a new creature in Christ. What do you do now? You've seen the miracles in your life. Thank you, Jesus. For these miracles, I can see God has already moved in my life miraculously. Hallelujah. In a smaller, big way, it doesn't matter. It can be all of it. The point is now we're here. What do we do now? And here's what you need to remember. Jesus is telling us, and remember, I'm reading out of the Amplified Classic, which I asked you guys to please get. Um, I can leave the link again. Amplified Classic is really helpful to understanding the text the first time. When you think, yeah, I definitely. You've been surprised by. I it. have been. It's a good. It's a good translation. There's a lot of footsteps. Other. A lot of footnotes. Footnotes. Yeah. <laughs> Verse twenty-seven says, and this is the words of Jesus: "Stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using, but strive and work and produce rather for the lasting food which endures continually into life eternal." The Son of Man will give, furnish you that. So the Son of Man will give you that. For God the Father has authorized and certified him and put his seal of endorsement upon him. So what's he saying? What does it say in your translation? I can read it or you can. Chapter 6, verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to internal life, which placed his seal of approval. Okay. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal for, of approval. So he's I'm saying it right that. there. Jesus is trying to say, like, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And all of you guys are just sitting here worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to do tomorrow, what you're going to go on vacation this year, where your kids are going to go to school. And it's like, why? Why are you sitting and having hours and hours and hours of conversation when you could ask the Holy Ghost one question and get an answer? Well, and 
Jesus already took care of that too in a different part where he was like, you know, don't worry for tomorrow. It'll worry for itself. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. The grasses of the field don't worry about what they're going to have to clothe them. The yeah. birds there don't worry about what they're going to get. And for they food. sow no seed. Yeah. <laughs> so why worry for tomorrow? It, why worry for today? Why worry at all? If you have someone who's created this giant universe mm -hmm. that has you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's going to work out. Everything's always going to work out. It is. No matter how big and scary it looks, no matter what bills are due, no matter what anything's due, it's just, mm -hmm. it's always going to work out. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. Doesn't matter if that boyfriend doesn't want to marry you. <laughs> God will put a nightmare of a dream in there and you will be married within eight days. Yes. Just give it to him. Because he's, you know, I've always, I had the privilege of growing up in a church that taught God as a father. And so they taught a lot of other things differently than I would teach them. But they did teach, <laughs> they did teach that God's a father. They don't even use the word God. They use the word heavenly father. And it always got it in my spirit. I mean, I just knew from such a young age, I have a father in heaven. And I always treated him like that. I would go to bed praying to him and I would just fall asleep praying to God because I knew he was my dad. And I, they told me when I was a young kid that he cared about the little details of my life. So I got in the habit of telling him those from a really early age. And so when people say, you know, Jesus said, you can't let the children come to me. You can't come into the kingdom of God without being like one of these. What he was saying was, you cannot be God's adult. It's not happening, kids. It's not going to happen. I don't care if you are 150 or five years old. You are a child to God. He is Mr. Ancient of Days. You're nothing. You're nobody. Got it? You're very small. But God is very big. He's your daddy. He loves you. He's gone and prepared a way for you. He makes the crooked path straight. Hallelujah. And all you have to do, right, is get on board with his agenda. Say, God, you're driving the car. You know, you were just working with me about this yesterday. You're like, honey, God told you he's taking you to Disney World. He's just asking you to get in the back seat. He's not asking you to drive the car. You're a kid. Right? Yeah, just have some patience and don't be like, are we there yet? Every five seconds. Yes. Because you're just going to prolong it. You're going to prolong it. He's going to make a right turn just to, you know, say, hey, listen to me. Yeah. Let me guide you. Let me bring you down this journey. Mm -hmm. And so here's what that's what Jesus is saying here stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes. It's so prideful. To think, God, I love you. But if you're asking me for this, you know I have to work, right? You know I got to pay the bills, right? I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. I don't have time. When you tell, when God calls you higher, when he calls you to a new level, hallelujah, and you decide, mm, I don't have time, God. I got all these things to do. You don't even, you're not even thinking about it. You don't care. God's saying, you're not getting it. You're being a prideful, prideful person because you don't understand I'm your dad. So if I told you, that you have time for this. If I told you to do something, I'll make the time. I'll make the way. I can't tell you how many times we've been told to give or to sow. And we were like, God, it's all we got. <laughs> or it's with that money is earmarked for something else. But he's like, I don't care. I, that, if I asked you to do that, I'm not going to leave you hungry. I'm not going to turn the lights off. I'm not going to let you miss a payment. You're going to get through it. You're going to be on the other side of it, but you need to be obedient to me. And he's just asking you to unleash your 
your grip on that thing you call money, which is the root of all evil. And he's not saying to give it all away necessarily. That's, that's for a purpose. Uh, when he's doing that, you're walking already. I think a lot of times, but, um, he's asking you to let go of what the world finds to be their God and make him your God. And when you do that, it's better. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we given and did we ever go without? Yes. We've given our last dollar a handful of times. When we first got together. She was all about tithing. I was like, this is for the birds. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I work really hard. We didn't have a lot. We don't have a lot. I'm not going to give 10% of this check. But I convinced I, him to a few times. Yeah. And you know what? When those times that did happen, we had divine help. Yeah. We had more divine help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We always had divine help. But we really, I, it, looking back, we can see where it moved. Yeah. And what was going on. Um, but something clicked in me. You know, you... This book, this kingdom is wisdom and you seek it first. All these things will be added to you. You sell your last dollar and somehow you get 10 more in the next day. Mm -hmm. You sell, you know, you, he says, uh, you sell out a car payment. You're like, no, I have this car payment due in two days. He's like, just sell it. And you do. And then you have double come in. And we're believing to get to that place where we don't have payments like that anymore. That's our next level. That's what we're believing. We just recently came to that and we recently just asked God for help on that. Mm -hmm. And things have already started going down that way. Yeah. Dominoes started falling. So we're really. Yeah. Hallelujah. We are living. We are walking, breathing, living testimonies of the goodness of God and the kingdom of God. Because we went through. I mean, for all of you who watch the sanctification process videos, I can speak so honestly and intently about it, yes, with the Holy Ghost, but I have lived that experience. We have lived that experience. Yes. And it was, oh, it was rough. It was a fire, <laughs> a refining fire. But we're different people on the other side of it. We don't bicker, we don't argue. And we were never big arguers, but we don't do it at all. No. It's not allowed. We've always had a really solid relationship yeah. and marriage, but it's grown and. There was times where I didn't think that would even be possible if you asked me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very selfish and very immature. And he got to the point where he's like, whatever, I'll just deal with it because I love her. And I ended up being able to be a partner to him and not a um, a child. Is that the right word? Yeah. Because he had to raise me when we met. And now we're partners, we're equals. And that was done a lot through him. And just the Holy Ghost, but also through the sanctification process. So if you're not the partner you want to be today, if you're not the spouse you want to be today, if you're not the parent you want to be today, if you're not the daughter or the son or the employee, whatever it is that you are, if you're like, I want to be more, I want to do more, I want to be better. God can make you better. I wanted to be a better spouse. I wanted to be less selfish. I wanted those things, but I had no idea how to think about anyone other than myself for more than five minutes. I had no idea at all. I think five minutes was a bit of a stretch back then. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know how to do that. I had not been taught. I had not been trained. I didn't have the love of God. It had not grown. I had it in my heart. Romans 5, 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Um, 
And so we have that love of God, but you got to water that seed. And so it's not that my husband didn't do an amazing job helping me learn how to behave in society, but he did not change me. First Corinthians 13 changed me. I tried to change you. You did. (laughs) (laughs) But through no lack of valiant effort. But he's a man. He's not the word of God. The word was with God. The word was God. In the beginning was the word. Okay. So I spoke first Corinthians 13 every single day in first person. I spoke it. It's sitting on our fridge. I speak it still. There are days I go over there and we, let's read it out loud. You know, um, it helps when you're, um, a mom of small children and a wife and you're running a bit like I am pouring out to people a lot. And so I need that pouring in from God. I can't do what I'm doing every single day without God pouring into me constantly and saying, you're doing an amazing job. I love you. I'm proud of you. Here's more anointing for this, for this task that I have for you. I couldn't do that without first Corinthians 13, without confessing that every single day, because the power of the tongue, the power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Is in the power of the tongue. So I spoke it every day. What um and it changed that power. I mean, it sounds so ridiculous. I get that it sounds crazy to say if you t- say this every single day, every single I get it. But I'm telling you, if you will start changing what's coming out of your mouth, you're going to change the rest of your life. Hallelujah. But even the secular world believes that. I mean, they yeah. say you know, speak it and you'll have it. Or yeah. All that. It's true. And, you know, these people in the text, they were saying, give us a sign. That's all they were saying over and over again. So that's all they were ever believing is that they need another sign. And maybe you're sitting there saying, give me a sign, God, give me a sign. Honey, this may be your sign. Okay. (laughs) He may not be giving you another sign. This is all you get. And he's this subtle now. He doesn't, you know, there's no more burning bushes. There's no more anything crazy that we had in the Old Testament. Why? We have the Holy Spirit. So when you have that fire in, inside of you, mm-hmm. yes, it's not external where you can tangibly see it or touch it or feel it or smell it. Mm-hmm. But when you have something that is inside of you that's knocking and trying to get through and break through, it's more palatable than yeah. a burning bush that lightning might have struck. Or like there's more reasons why that bush is burning that your brain come up with then why your insides are burning up and your every fiber you're being is yeah. saying to do one thing. You're like, I don't want to. My flesh doesn't want to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even before you know the difference, you're like, one part of me wants to do this. One part of me is like, I have to do this or else. I would always say, I because we were both, we were both born again and filled with the Holy Spirit early in our lives. Yes. And even we didn't realize even it. We, we didn't quite know what we were doing, but we had a heart for God. And we were in front of the right people that could teach us the right things to say. And and we had a heart for the Lord. And so, um, but when I was a small child, I was raised in a church that had a lot of testimony meetings. And so I was just this little girl sitting in the pew and my parents would never get up normally. And, and other people I knew would never get up. But I just had this burning in me to go stand in front of 150 adults and all my peers and talk about the love. Like I just, just to say what I knew to say as a testimony. And I felt like it was burning on the inside me to the point that if I would get up and I would do it, I knew the burning would go away. And I didn't know that was Holy Spirit conviction, but it was. And that was a sign. That was a, that was a big sign. That's supernatural. 
That doesn't happen. And, and I think far too often we brush off the supernatural like it's no big deal. I mean, how many times did doctors say, well, it must be a miracle. I don't know what else happened. <sighs> it must be a miracle. It has to be God. Do you know? I think we just dumb it down. We just make it of no effect. We make the word of no effect when we don't teach it right and when we don't believe God. Because faith does not come from miracles. You can't get faith from miracles. If you could get faith from miracles, those Israelites would not be walking in the wilderness for 40 years. Joshua would not have had to lead them into the promised land. Moses yeah. would have been able to do that. Yeah. But he didn't have people of one mind and one accord. He didn't have people that believed in God. He had people that if he went away for a month talking to God on the mountain, where they literally heard God's voice, they just start making an idol. They found other gods. Worshiping other gods. Yeah. For 30 days. Like he's only gone 30 days or whatever it is that they, the accompanying text says he's gone for. That's it. You gave God 30 days. You give people in the world more than 30 days, but some people won't give God more than two weeks to fix a problem. And they're like, well, I guess it's not God. You'll give the devil six months to beat your brains out, but you won't give God 15 minutes to make it all right. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's going to take longer than 15 minutes. God is not slow. But he does not speed up for your impatience. In fact, he will slow down quickly. Why? He's a daddy. He's mm -hmm. not just like, I call God dad. I, when we see clouds in the sky that are really beautiful, I'm like, look, my dad made those. Dad made those. Why? Because I have a personal relationship with God the Father. He's a person to me because he is one. We were made in his likeness and in his image. If you feel a feeling, God has felt that feeling. He's done it in a holy way. He's done it in God Almighty version, but he's done it and he gave it to you. And if you will think of yourself as made in the image and the likeness of God and realize that's who you are, that's your being. I am sitting here on my chair, but I know that in heaven right now, God Almighty is sitting on his chair. It may be called a throne, but you know what? I call this chair my throne, so that's fine. Okay. Um, we're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. You were made to look, act, talk, think, and be like God. And this is just a stretch of time, thus say Lord. This is just a moment of eternity. And we go on to more eternity. What else is there that you're going to look like God in that you don't realize right now? I don't look like God. I work at McDonald's. Okay, fine. Who cares? God can pick you up out of that place and he can promote you. The word says that he's an establisher of his people. He establishes his people in Proverbs and he, he will establish you and you will be a king of kings, a king. God, Jesus is the king of kings, which must mean that there are other kings. He's a Lord of lords. So that must mean there are other lords. Okay. Jesus is not the only leader in the church. Did you know that? He's not the only leader and you're, you're going to be brought up eventually. And I'm talking maybe after this life, but on earth as it is in heaven. So who knows how long it's going to take. You're going to be brought up to the full stature of the maturity of Christ. You've met Christ through the gospels. He's a pretty cool guy. He's a pretty good guy. And he's a very authoritative man. You're his bride. You're going to be brought up as an equal, as a one flesh with Jesus. What does that mean? Get it through your thick skull that you're bigger than you think you are. You're bigger than the world has told you you are. You're bigger than your mama or your daddy told you you were. You are bigger, hallelujah, especially if you're born again. And if you're not, just do it and then, hey, hello, you're bigger. Glory, 
You're bigger on the inside. You're a giant on the inside. You are of God-like proportion on the inside. And yet your flesh and your soul would like to tamp that down because they want to conform to the world. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're more interested in looking like the world than like God, then you need to stay small. Turn this off and go on. But if you're interested in looking bigger, if you're interested in being bigger and being established and being the head and not the tail above and not beneath, if you're interested in never borrowing another penny again, but being the lender to nations, not people, nations, then I suggest you get it in your thick skull that you are like God. I suggest you get bigger in your own mind because until you do, until you renew your mind with this word of God, nothing is going to happen in your life. This will be of no effect if you don't believe that you're bigger. Thus saith the Lord. Do you have anything else? No. You got to believe you're bigger. That's the point. And these people in the text, they didn't believe they were bigger. In fact, they thought they were very small because they're like, well, give us another sign. Give us another meal. They were following Jesus around. Jesus had to turn around and tell them all to go home because they were following him around for one meal. They would sit for days waiting for him to do one miracle. How pathetic. It's just sad. It's pathetic with their hand constantly out. Now we can give people hand up, hands up and we should. Jesus was providing because he is like God. God will always provide. But how about instead of looking to the provider, say, God, you need hands and feet here on the earth. Use me. Let me be your bank account. Put your money in my account and funnel it through to who you need it. Be a money launderer for God. Okay. I hope YouTube doesn't take this down for that, but be a money launderer for God. Say, God, use my accounts. What do you need me to do? We've done that. And how many times has he taken us up on it? Yeah, we've done that a lot. And he does every time, you know, and you can't get into this and have knowledge and have understanding and not be used for the kingdom. And guess what? Today, being used for the kingdom means having to fund something. Yeah. Whether it's a ministry, a church, a media company. Yeah. Anything. And that's just. It's part of it. If you think you can get in good with God. If you think that you can do all the God stuff, but your money's where you draw the line. You're no better than the rich young ruler. And you know what? He did not make it in heaven. He did not make it into the kingdom of God. Why? Because he wouldn't lay down his cross. Lay down your love of money. Lay down your idea of security. Because, you know, the world calls pride walking around with your head up and your shoulders back, which is actually what God has called you to do. And it's not even just having money and laying down that aspect of it or that form of it. It's the exact opposite. It's I'm too good to be rich. I'm too holy to be rich. I'm too holy to have any money, you know, because poor is godliness or some, whatever the devil's twisted this to twist this into this kingdom is being ran in the 21st century in 2023. And it takes a lot of money to get on air. It takes a lot of money to buy a Super Bowl commercial. It takes a lot of money to do anything in this world, especially with today with inflation being six, seven percent. Yeah. You know, you have to have money. You have to have. And that's where it comes from. You seek the kingdom and all these things will be added on to you. Don't store riches up in heaven or don't store riches up on earth, store them up in heaven. But. Riches here are just a byproduct of the wisdom that comes through, you know, mm-hmm. the word, keep going through yeah, salvation, all that. Proverbs says, you know, 
wisdom in her right hand is wealth and riches and long life and honor yes. in her left or something like that. Right? Yeah. And so you have to, wisdom is the principal thing. And so if you're sitting here going, wow, I really like what they're saying. I really want my life to change, blah, blah, blah. Cause we haven't even told you how great our life has gone yet. Oh my gosh, it's gotten so good <laughs> and it's going to continue to get better. But you know, the first thing you have to realize is we yielded everything. We said, God, take our marriage and use it. Take our life and use it. Move us where you want us to move. You know, tell us where you want us to go. Talk to the people. Have us only talk to people you want us to talk to. We got everybody out of our life. Yeah, everyone got themselves out of our life. Yeah. And they're slowly getting put back in. And, you know, there's some family members or some people that have not entered back into our life. But that's their choice at this point. God's choice because there was something there that would have been a roadblock to us. Yeah. And we put it all down. Because we don't care what it costs to follow Jesus. Yes. We are going to follow Jesus. We are going to get this work done. We are going to see the harvest come in. We're going to undergo a transfer of wealth for the kingdom. And we are going to hear the trumpet sound. We're going to hear the trumpet sound. We're going to see Jesus come down on those clouds. And we are going home. And that's all either of us are interested in. And I think that's why we're able to be used. But you have to remember that until you are willing to go to that extent, until you're ready to die, for Jesus, literally, you need to keep walking with the Lord and ask for your eyes to be open and ask for the wisdom of God. Ask for the love of God so you can be in that place. Because I'm not saying you have to be in that place today to love Jesus. I'm not saying that. We weren't in that place for a long time. Yeah. But we knew we loved God. We didn't know what all it came with. We just knew we loved God. And so I think we're here to say there's a high cost to this walk, but there's a greater joy and there's a much higher reward here on this earth and in, and in heaven. Yes, there is. Because it is, you know, make on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. And Solomon, I mean, he asked for wisdom. That's the only thing he ever asked for. And everything else was added to him after that. After he saked the kingdom first, then everything was given to him. He had riches. He had prosperity. The queen of Sheba herself came and was like. Fainted. Yeah. Oh, fainted at his wealth. So. Yeah. And you can't open this Bible, ask for revelation, ask to be used in some capacity, and then turn your nose up at it because it comes with money. It comes with giving up money. Yeah. Or it comes yeah. with money. You're right. Sorry. <sighs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, honey, do you have anything else to add today? I don't. I think this is what the Holy Spirit had for us today. We have been going back and forth wondering what we were going to talk about all day today. And this is what the Holy Ghost had. So hallelujah. Your next step on this walk with the Lord is simple. Get in this word. Pray for revelation. Pray for wisdom. Pray for the love of God to be grown in your heart. And then you start doing what the word tells you to do. You watch sermons. Go to lionlandministries.com. Click on Binge Jesus. That's a list of approved ministers of the gospel that Jesus has trusted us with in these last days. Generals of the faith that know what they're talking about, that can help you and help me. Watch the rest of our YouTube channel. We have videos now. The sanctification process is so... Those videos will walk you step by step on the next steps in your walk with the Lord. And you will get to be glorified on the other side of that refining fire. But you first have to be willing to walk through it. So... That's all we have today. What's your name? Derek. This is Derek. I'm Holly. You have been listening to Grab the Glory with Holly Smith. This has been a production of Lion and Land Ministries. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.